not under 18, but a minor prophet, meaning he had one message, very succinct. And Joel, there's only three chapters, it's a short book. The first chapter deals with the plague of the locusts. And if you want to read something like Stephen King, you read chapter one, because it's very graphic about what a locust plague will do. Chapter two gives hope, and that's where I'll read. Joel lived about 800 BC in Judah, and they were doing great. Economy was booming, crops were full, everything was fantastic. And the people of Judah, and even the priests, they followed all the, all the rules of worship. They'd show up at temple, they'd do the sacrifices, but their hearts weren't in it. They were just going through the motion and paying lip service to God, and God took notice. So he sent Joel to give them a, a very stern warning about a locust plague that was coming, and it would be nothing compared to the final judgment of God. So here we, we go into chapter 2, which is the hope side, after the, the, the word of the plague. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the assembly. Bring together the elders. Gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the portico and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Then the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. The Lord replied to them, I am sending you grain, new wine and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. The psalm this evening is Psalm 51, verses 1 through 19, which we can read responsively, and it's printed in your bulletin. <coughs> Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will 
be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. The epistle this evening is taken from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 20 through chapter 6, verse 10. And this can be found in your pew Bible on page 1799. Second Corinthians, chapter 5. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. <clears throat> now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be God. to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the sixth chapter. 
Glory to you, O Lord. The gospel reading is taken from the book of St. Matthew, chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, and continuing on through verse 16 through 21, and can be found in your pew Bible on page 1503. Matthew records. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. For if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets in order to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, They have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their full reward. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to the Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where the moths and the vermin do not destroy, and where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth in the meditation of all of our hearts, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Many non-Lutherans wonder why their Lutheran friends or family, why these family members wear ashes on their forehead at the beginning of Lent. They wonder, are they, are they showing off? 
Are they trying to stand out? Is it some weird secret church ritual? What does it mean? And they may be asking, should I get them too? There are three reasons why Lutherans go to church to receive Ashes on Ash Wednesday. First, the ashes remind people of their sinfulness. Second, the ashes remind people of their mortality. And third, the ashes remind people that they have been redeemed, purchased for a price. Let's unpack this a little bit. Since ancient times, God's people have used ashes as a sign of humble repentance. For example, in Jonah chapter 3, five verses, or verse 5 through 9, in paraphrase, the people of Nineveh believed God. And in verse 9 it says, the king got up from his throne and he removed his robes and he put on sackcloth and he sat in ashes. In Job 42, verse 6, Job records, I therefore despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. In Daniel 9, verse 3, Then I turned my eyes to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and by pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And in Matthew eleven twenty one, and also in Luke ten thirteen, Jesus speaks, and you've heard this before, the woes. Woe to you, Corazon. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Why? Why did he say that? Because Bethsaida and Corazon were two cities that he had been to and that he had spoken to the people and he had done signs and wonders. And those people saw the nature of God in him. And yet they rejected him. And so what he was saying was, woe to you, Corazon. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Because if Tyre or Sidon had seen what you have seen, they would have repented. They would have put on sackcloth. And they would have been sitting in ashes. Sidon and Tyre were pagan cities. Christ often compared and contrasted the two. Now this tradition was carried on by the early church, this tradition of ashes, and it remains an important tradition today. When one willingly comes up to the pastor as you did and receives ashes on his or her forehead, they are admitting that they are sinners in desperate need of salvation. They are admitting that they have sinned not only against their neighbors, but against God himself. The ashes demonstrate that without God, all people are spiritually dead. The ashes remind the wearer of their need to repent 
and confess in order to be turned back to God. The ashes demonstrate our pleading that the Lord would purify us. The ashes serve as a tangible and visible sign of our failure to love God as much as he loves us. The receiving of ashes on Ash Wednesday also remind people of their mortality, which is the direct result of God's condemnation of our sin. The wages of sin are death. And God said to Adam, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Genesis 3.19. Ashes serve as a solemn reminder that the price of sin is indeed death. Man cannot escape death. Often people today feel as if they are invincible. It's easy to feel like we're at the top of the world capable of doing anything that we desire. We keep ourselves busy doing good things, but we fail to recognize that in reality, we are, in fact, dead men walking. And people don't like to think about death. Our culture has seemingly sterilized death. We make every attempt to avoid death. Death is uncomfortable. And that's why ashes are so important. For they are the physical reminder that God created man from the dust of the earth. And one day, all men will return to the dust of the earth. Ashes to ashes. Dust to dust. And the ashes force us to remember that we are merely mortal and that God alone is sovereign and reigns for all eternity. Ashes also tell us the good news of the gospel. They tell us the good news of the gospel. You see, ashes aren't just smeared randomly or haphazardly across people's foreheads. No. The ashes are given in the shape of the cross. In receiving the ashes, we remember that our Lord Jesus took on the fullness of our humanity. He who was sinless became our sin. Jesus the Christ was crucified on a cross. He was crucified for you. He descended into hell where he endured the fullness of the wrath of God on your behalf. Then Jesus conquered death through his resurrection. He was resurrected for you. And in doing so, he has taken the ashes of our past and created in us new life allowing us to live forever in the holy presence of God. 
He makes all things new. He has redeemed his children, making us clean and new. Through the cross of Christ, the power of death has been destroyed. Through the cross, there is life. The cross-shaped ashes on our foreheads proclaim the good news. The good news that sin and death have been conquered through the cross of Christ. Now I want to talk a little bit about our scripture tonight, specifically Matthew 6, verse 16. And when you fast, don't become sullen like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting may be seen by others. Amen, I say to you, they receive their full reward. So it would be appropriate for me right now to say, Merry Lent! Happy Lent to you! It is Lent again. It's time for you to put on your grumpy face, to fold your hands, and give up something to show others how really committed you are to God. To be serious. It's a time to virtue signal that you are on God's team. Repent. Repent. Repent of what you think of Lent. Repent of acting serious to God when you are not serious. Repent of trying to be someone else so God will love you. Just stop. Because he knows who you are. Lent is first and foremost only about Jesus. He's going to the cross to suffer and die for your sins and my sins and the sins of the whole world. He is going to the cross specifically for you. For you, he goes to the cross. If you're a serious person, for you, as he goes to the cross, if you are a happy person, for you, if you are just you, he goes to the cross. Fast from your sins. Give them up. Don't take them up again. Stop doing the evil things that you do. That's what the world tells us. That's maybe what your flesh is telling you. You may be hearing words that stop doing these things. Stop being disobedient. Stop hating. Stop being immoral. Stop lusting. Stop coveting, stealing, gossiping, lying. And these are all things that we ought not be doing as children of the living God. But chief and foremost... Chief and foremost, repent. 
Repent right now about making Lent, faith, and Christianity all about you and your repentance. In short, you and I need to repent of you. I need to repent of me. Lent isn't about me. Lent is a fast to prepare you for the celebration of Easter, to prepare you for the one who did your Lent. He did your Lent. It is finished. He did it. He rose from the dead on Easter morning. He rose from the grave to prepare for his bursting out of the tomb with you. The Lord would have you give up all those things which would chain you to the tomb and keep you from rising with him. He would have you break those bonds, that hate, that lust, that covetousness, that immorality, that gossiping, that lying, that stealing. He would have you stop that because that separates you from him. He would say, quit doing your sins. Or to say it more in a more gospel way, it's like this. God repents you of your sins to prepare you for his Easter. This season is not about your self-improvement. It's not about giving up chocolate or beer or anything else like that. Although you can do that if you want, but it isn't going to get you favor with God. No, this season, this season is not about self-improvement. If you make Lent only about you and your reward before God will be that feeling that you are super religious. You'll be able to, like the hypocrite, say, oh, I'm fasting. I've abstained from chocolate or whatever for 40 days. Aren't I wonderful? And if that is all it is to you, then the Lord speaks to us from Scripture by saying amen. I say to you, you have received your reward in full. Today, the Lord shows you the consequence of making religion, faith, and Lent all about you. When he says, dust you are, and dust you shall return. When he says, your sins separate you from God. When he says, your sins are going to damn you. Right now, Today, I remind you, I proclaim to you, I proclaim Christ and him crucified. But in these next 40 days, the Lord fixes our eyes on Jesus going through the wilderness of our sin and death to the cross. He's going to die. And we are going to live with him forever. If you are happy, be happy today. If you are grumpy, then be grumpy 
And if you are just you, then just be you. Let your Lent, let your Lent be between you and our Father in heaven, between you and God. Your Father who sees what you do in secret will reward you, and he will give you Jesus. Merry Lent, in the name of Jesus. Amen. We, your unworthy people, come to you this day, acknowledging the great debt that we owe for your merciful kindness in giving to us your Son to be our Savior and Redeemer. In love, he suffered for our sins, and he died the death that was ours to die, so that he might forgive us our sins and raise us from death to everlasting life. Receive our thanks and praise for his one, all-sufficient sacrifice upon the cross. And keep us in this faith and fear all the days of our lives. Preserve your word, O Lord, against error. And preserve among us the preaching of your word, that we may be nurtured in faith, discern truth from falsehood, and remain steadfast in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Open our hearts to the preaching of your word, that through daily repentance we may be kept in the promise of our baptism and in the new life born of water and spirit. Give to your church pastors who will serve us faithfully in your name with the means of grace. Raise up many church workers to fulfill the various callings and offices that your church has appointed. Bless those preparing for baptism and the catechumens being instructed in your word. Help us to shine with the brightness of Christ's light before the world and be ever ready to give answer to the hope within us. Bestow upon all nations of the world the blessing of peace and the threat of terrorism and quiet the hearts of those who foster hate and violence. Give to us good and faithful leaders. Especially we do pray for Donald, our president, Gavin Newsom, our governor, the Congress of the United States, our state legislature, and all those who make, administer, and judge our laws. Lend to your aid Lend your aid to the cause of life and its protection from conception until its natural end. Bless the servicemen and women who defend us at home and abroad. Give us the will and desire to be good and faithful citizens and to pray daily for those in authority over us. Provide for those who suffer man-made or natural disasters and bless relief workers who come to their aid. Bless the fruits of the earth and our stewardship of all its resources for the good and benefit of all people. Bless all honest labor and industry, the arts and music, and all good works for your glory. Be with the sick and those who suffer trouble, want, anguish, 
peril, or death, especially those we name in our hearts. Give them courage under trial, patience to endure their afflictions without losing heart, and healing according to your will. Grant to us your Holy Spirit that we who come to our Lord's table today may receive the body and blood of Christ in sincere repentance and with confident faith, recognizing Christ present in the sacrament and rejoicing in the forgiveness of our sins and the nourishment of our faith. Help us so that what we have received upon our lips we may keep in holy lives and live under Christ in his kingdom here until we receive everlasting life in his presence. Receive our bodies and souls and all our talents and skills with the tithes and offerings we bring in thanksgiving for your benefits in Christ. These and all things good and beneficial we ask you to grant us in the name of the Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we praise your name. It is indeed and right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord. Heavenly Father, through Christ our Lord sharing in our life, he lived among us to reveal your glory and love that our darkness should give way to his own brilliant light. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and we join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples saying, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his triumphant glorious coming again. Let us pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Tonight, as I said, we will be doing the Holy Eucharist by intinction. So you may be seated at this time, and I will ask you to come forward, and uh, I'll hand you the, the body, the bread, and Ken has volunteered to hold the cup. And so with your hand, you take the wafer, dip it in, and receive the Eucharist. You may come forward. This is the second time I've given that sermon today, and it struck me as a little bit harsh, so I want to make sure that I send you away with the intent that I had. Lent isn't about you being good. It never has been any part of our walk about us being good, right? It's about God, who is perfectly good, and the relationship between you and God, your Father who sees what you do in secret, and he will reward you. Why? Because he loves you. So take the yoke off, anything that's tying you down, 10 better steps, 10 steps to a better prayer life, any of that stuff, you know, just enjoy and rest in the arms of God, the loving Father, and now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we sing, created me a clean heart. Let us go in peace and serve the Lord. Amen.